0: E.
1: Welcome to the Principal PLN podcast, hosted by Dr. Spike Cook, Jessica Johnson, and Teresa Stagger. Principal PLN is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in educational leadership. Be sure to follow our hosts on Twitter at Dr. Spike Cook, at Principal J, and at Principal Stagger. There are many great ways to contact the PLN. Follow the hashtag #PrincipalPLN or at #PrincipalPLN on Twitter. You can also search and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. All links can be found online at principalpln.com. Right now.
2: Right now. Hey, everybody.
1: Hey.
3: (laughs) So we're back after not having been here in a long time. And somebody tweeted us and said, where have we been? And my response was and is, we're (laughs)
1: principaling. Like... I'm so busy. I'm so tired. So
3: so thank busy. you,
1: but, but thank you for those of you, those of you who asked where we were, because that was nice.
2: And we do. We our goal for this spring, even though it really doesn't feel like spring in New Jersey, but our goal is to podcast more frequently, and um, so we'll, we'll hopefully well, you'll expect more.
3: And and our book is done. Like we've yes. been through many revisions. It's. Almost off to production, so we'll That's have more awesome. time for that. Well, are yeah. well, learning how cor- to juggle?
4: Is that a Corwin book? Are you guys going to be at their thing in Massachusetts as yeah. Corwin
2: authors? We
1: are. Yes. Is we Jessica?
2: Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jessica, no. are you going? No, no.
1: Where? Where are we going? I'm. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going because Boston is on my bucket list. Is that my so tribe so tribe? It's not my juggling? It is your <laughs> juggling. The juggling <laughs> marathon.
2: I think it's called. <laughs> What is it called um, again Bob? Empowered, empowered learning? learning? Yeah. You didn't yeah. get something on that, Jessica?
1: I get I get too many things. Oh, yeah. I don't
3: know. Uh, I probably auto really? deleted it. It's like the first week of August. On Inbox, too. Yeah.
1: It's like Thursday, Friday though, isn't it? It's during the week still. Yeah. yeah. I won't
3: be able to. All
2: right. Well, so hey, it's actually going to be really God, hard. That's the first week of school like, here. really
3: sunny That's and nice. Really,
2: yeah, school's starting that early, Bob? That's early. Yeah, but also, we have, like, six weeks of school left. Wow. That's
3: because in Missouri, when it snows, like, Even. if there's, like, a snowflake, you cancel school, <laughs> and so you have, like, 20 snow uh, days, and then you just have to is
4: The to- only thing that the upper Midwest has on us is, like, dig on snow days. That's all they have. <laughs> and the Packers. That's all they have.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. And the Badgers.
4: We have the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> The duke thing had to hurt.
1: Um, we did good. <laughs> we had to kick us lower down, Bob.
2: Let's
1: <laughs> go <laughs> so back to joggling. I know. we, the <laughs> we went
2: though.
3: live, we were talking about running and juggling while running, and that's joggling, so yeah. if anybody so has that thing. talent out there, we'd yeah. love
1: to have you on the show. <laughs> Just kidding. So, you can, if we get one of those GoPro helmets, though, we could. Oh, those are awesome. Well, it would be cooler if you were dribbling three basketballs while you were running. Well, and, and wearing a
2: blue tuxedo.
1: A blue tuxedo. And, and wearing a blue tuxedo, not just either or. Ooh. Did you guys hear yeah. that? Right?
3: So, that conversation came about as we're all working on our health and running and getting ready for races or not getting ready for races.
2: Yeah, and Bob is going to be running his 11th marathon tomorrow. Yeah,
4: very slowly.
3: <laughs> very slow. <It>
2: <laughs> yeah, I,
4: I don't have much energy after this week. I, I'm i pretty blown after uh, a week uh, on the road. So.
2: Well, yeah, that's what we wanted to talk with you about today because, I mean, obviously you were tapering down for your marathon, so you decided, well, I'll go and visit the Lakota uh, Sioux Native Americans, uh, which looked yeah. like it was a, a really cool experience. So. How did you get involved with that? Yeah, this is a great like PLN
4: story, right? Um, so hey, I'm at EdTech. Uh,
1: oh, I'm that's like, good sorry. point. And
4: did I, I don't have do my thing? cool lower third on, so uh, <laughs> that that throws everything off.
2: I'm sorry, we'll edit that in later, Bob, but hey, this is we Bob We don't Dillard. edit at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, that was
1: if you've been listening to our show, you know how, who Bob is because we've had him out before. When yes. there was uh, soccer happening, World Cup soccer. It he was. A- he had a and star he in like, to- August.
2: And he listens to the principal PLN while he's r- joggling. <laughs>
1: yeah, so this is Bob Dylan, not, not the sure singer. sure you can't tell people
4: that. Yes, all right, I got it. So I'm I'm actually the uh, director of technology and innovation at the Afton School District in St. Louis, Missouri, um, and a, a 14-year middle school principal prior to that, um, in a couple different places here in St. Louis, and. Um, and then, uh, as I've been telling people lately, all things EdTech in St. Louis um, seem to somehow um, come through my inbox, and so um, that's, that's the other part of me.
2: That's awesome. So um, tell us the story about how you got involved with the, uh, the Penn-Lakota uh, 15 trip.
4: Yeah, and so, uh, like I was saying, great PLN story. I'm at EduCon in Philly, and uh, evening reception... Uh, Joe Mazza, who many of you guys know, um, was there and talking about the study trip that the Penn uh, Graduate School of Ed takes every year. I think they went to Alaska, they went to Finland, and now they spent the week on the Pine Ridge Reservation. They, um, um, Joe said, oh, yeah, we take somebody from out of network every year. And, you know, that was like midnight one night. And I, oh, yeah, yeah that's great. I woke up the next morning and I said... Um, you know, that's not an opportunity I should pass up, so I kind of followed up, and next thing you know, I was the out-of-network uh, person attending the trip all week, and so it was uh, it was just uh, both uh, serendipitous and opportunistic on my part, so it was fantastic.
2: That's awesome. So what, um, for those who were not following the hashtag, I mean, I really recommend that you follow um, hashtag Penn, Lakota. 15 uh, because there's a lot of really good blog posts that were out there and a lot of um, you know pictures and things like that. So um, you were pretty active uh, with your blogging. W- what are some of the, the highlights?
4: Yeah, so we went uh, there to really just kind of uh, really dig deeper into what uh, the education system looks like uh, on Indian Reservation. There's so many variances. So the education system there is actually run by the Department of the Interior and the Bureau of Indian Affairs and not really Department of Ed. And so that was a huge difference. Um, And then um, the Pine Ridge Reservation is the fourth largest reservation in the United States. And they have, um, they deal with extreme poverty, poverty like I've never seen in the United States. And so um, that's, you know, as we all know, that wraps around our schools and impacts us. But the impact there um, uh, is tremendous, but our job really was just to learn and uh, and then through the hashtag and through social media raise awareness around the country about really what is going on there. Um, you know the numbers are mm-hmm. devastating, but you know you don't want to always dwell on the negative things. But um, you know, for folks that don't know, um, it's a place that has a level of poverty not seen anywhere else in the United States.
3: So um, I have a little bit of experience, actually, when I started out teaching, well, my, right after graduating, I substitute taught, and where I am from originally in northern Minnesota, we're surrounded by three Indian reservations, so I did some subbing at one of the schools on the reservation, my aunt still works there. And, you know, the poverty, like, you think you know poverty, and it is, it is such a different and... Um, extreme poverty with so many deep-rooted, um, it, I, I don't even know. It's it's so different. It's so different, and you have to really, really care for the kids and do everything that you can for them. And it, it's just it's such a different experience.
4: Yeah, I would just say that um, you know you're dealing with numbers like life expectancy rate mm-hmm. there are is like in the fifties, so mm-hmm. it, it's normal that people die in their fifties there, uh, men and women. Um, you're dealing with eighty-five um, percent unemployment rate. Um, you're dealing with under-housed or Um, too many people in a house, and most, uh, they say 70% of all the homes have level mold in them. Uh, Mostly trailers, mostly HUD housing. Um, You know, the wellness level, There's the closest emergency room is 80 miles away. Um, It just is, um, you know, I've seen a lot of rural poverty in in Missouri, and you can get away from it in 20 minutes. Uh, Here, you just... There's no getting away from it. Even um, short term, it's a, it's an hour and a half drive to get away from what's going on, uh, even if to get good groceries and fresh food. So yeah.
2: So one of the things that you were talking about was looking at their their education system, and it seems like it's yeah. it's much different. And I'm sure Jessica could talk to that too. So what what do you see as the the differences of their education system versus the one that comes from the Department of Education.
4: Yeah, you know, one of the big things is that um, the actually the education system there is probably the system that's working the best um, of all those other things I mentioned. You know, housing and food and wellness and all and you know healthcare. Um, I, we were in some beautiful schools, um, um, places that. You, you and I would, wouldn't mind being in the – I mean, you walk around, the floors were clean, the places were good, um, met a lot of great teachers. We visited five different schools while we were there. Um, you know, they, they suffer a little bit from the lack. There's 13 uh, tribal schools on the reservation. There's two parochial schools. There's a private school. There is a Bureau of Indian Affairs school, which is totally governed by somebody else. And of those 13 schools, there's 10 different school boards. And so there's just this, like, fractured governance. Um, And um, I think they they really, really struggle with that fractured governance. But the buildings themselves, the teachers um, are working their tails off. Um, And so all of that is um, really good about the system. It just, um, every day there, um, you know, it's a struggle to get kids to school, especially in the winter, because roads don't get cleared. Um, and so, yeah, and so th- the big thing is just the fracturedness of it. You know, you have, you know, 10 different curriculums um, in, you a very, very small area, and no coherence between, um, you know, no one's talking to each other. There's no
2: connectedness at all. Wow. Jess, um, did you find the same thing? And like, where your your aunt works, um, and also, do they have to live on the reservation?
3: The the staff. Yeah. See, where I where I'm from, it's it's not um, it's not that far of a drive. It's not that isolated. There's a lot of Indian reservations in northern Minnesota, um. So there might be people that live on the Indian reservation but travel to the city of Bemidji where I'm from. And, and find, um, actually a lot of them do. So it's not as isolated, um, but definitely the life expectancy, um, major, major alcoholism and, and drug use, and, um, you know, it, it's, hard, it's hard for people to not um, feel like they can't make a difference because of, you know, everything that they're trying to do for kids, and they're just... Um, you know, just like any other poverty of, of what they're going home to and it's hard to make a difference in education with children when there's not really a, a value for education with everything that they're dealing with. Um, but there are just some really, really great um, cultural traditions like the powwows and um, the things that they do value. Um, did you get to go to a powwow, Bob, or...
4: I, I, it was um, yesterday, and um, uh, uh, Joe Mazda took some pictures yesterday, so they're on the hashtag, but uh, I, I did not. Uh, but, yeah, the cultural pieces are wonderful, and they actually, mm-hmm. uh, one of their specials, as we would call them, um, is Lakota Studies, and so all the kids are learning language, learning culture, learning beadwork, um, yes. you know, all those things. It, it's fantastic, Um that we saw that in every school, there was a, um, you know, there's a huge effort to save the Lakota language because the number of speakers is dwindling very quickly there.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of, I guess I would say there's a lot of really beautiful cultural pieces that have been getting yeah. lost with um, just everything that has gone on. I know where where I was from, we we had to learn Ojibwe, um, even mm-hmm. when I was in school, not on the reservation. That was mm. that was part of trying to keep the culture. Um, but as, you know, alcoholism and, and everything else sets in, a lot of the culture can like really disappear. Or if you've done research on um, you know, Indian boarding schools back back, you know, years ago, how that like tried to strip away their culture. Um, it's really quite really interesting and, but just horribly sad.
4: Yeah, I mean, part of that is that piece of, um, yeah, um, for a chunk of time, all the kids there were taken away to boarding school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the folks that are now the leaders there, um, you know, we're talking about people in their 60s probably, the elders that are still around. They were the boarding school kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're still re- kind of referred to that way. But, yeah, they, the whole idea was that they were supposed to, you know, remove the savage from them and all of that ugly coded language of the past, right? Um, mm mm-hmm. And one of the things that they're really trying to do is uh, develop uh, teachers there on campus. We visited the uh, Oglala uh, Lakota College that's there, and they're developing um, tribal teachers. Uh, And they're up at about 36% now. Um, But they saw there was a lot of conversation about the divide between Teach for America teachers there Mm -hmm. and uh, the tribal teachers, and um, I think there's a lot of tension there, um, as they're trying to kind of grow up this uh, group of teachers, because really, their teachers probably have the most stable positions and probably are the most financially successful people on the on the reservation that we spoke to were the teachers and the principals there.
3: Yeah, you
4: know, because there aren't any other jobs really um, other than here and there. Uh, no real small businesses, nothing like that, and all of the health care providers, uh, there, is, there are a few tribal nurses, uh, but most of the doctors and nurses that are there are brought in and they live in kind of like a you know, housing for doctors there on campus.
3: So Now, Bob, you, you don't work on an Indian reservation, right?
4: Yeah, no, no, this was a just just a visit there. In St. Louis we have, uh, we, we don't have um, a reservation. Their closest reservations in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, okay. We have just, uh, you know, we have uh, odds and ends remnants of the Native Americans that lived here in the St. Louis area, but nothing here close to St. Louis.
3: So is, like, what is your biggest takeaway then now that you've had that experience when you go back to your position? What, what do you take with you into your role?
4: Yeah, um... Just the importance of coordination and communication. Um, you know, I, I was looking at it as on a systems level a lot of times because it, it wasn't totally about education at all. Um, it was about how far people lived apart from each other, how transportation impacted things, how um, there wasn't... Um, there were programs that were happening that were awesome for kids that... Thirty minutes away, they didn't know about, mm-hmm. uh, and we were informing them about these programs. And so, um, you know, even in my own work, you know, you think you're communicating and over communicating, but you realize that, uh, you know, that level of what we do, and you know, all three of all four of us do really well is, um, you know, communicate with our folks. that just can't. We just can't do it enough, um, and it's just amplified and magnified tremendously there. And so um, that was my biggest takeaway to bring home. And the, also that none of us tomorrow can do something to fix the problem there. That we, it's not our job to be fixers. Mm-hmm.
1: So Bob, when, when Bob and I were at McCall about a month ago now, and you and I were talking about this trip, mm-hmm. and you had mentioned that you were taking one of your daughters. Did that end up happening?
4: It did, yeah. My ten-year-old daughter, um, who's now on Voxer and now on Instagram, this was like her coming out <laughs> party for social media. Uh, um, so yeah, she went, and it, I think it was just uh, an incredible experience for her. Um, you know, I, I was impressed how she found her voice there, like people would be like, well, what are we doing next? And she's like, well, everybody said this was on the schedule. And, you know, she was, uh, she kind of stepped up as a little adult, and um, that was really great to see, and I I just know that two, three years down the road, um, the week we spent together uh, might be what holds us together through those uh, awesome teen years. And so, uh, (laughs) but uh, but I I also think she got this perspective of dad deeply cares about um, all kids, and not just uh, his kids and the kids in Afton, but um, I mean, you know, she heard me involved with some really deep educational conversations. And, um, you know, we had a lot of fun. We were in the car a long time. We had 600 miles yesterday, and that was like two-thirds oh of the trip. So, yeah, so it was a lot of driving. But, um, yeah, I, I think she did great, and she documented and blogged and took a ton of pictures. and um, And she also, I think, gets now when I travel that it's not like – I'm done I'm at four o'clock again. every day, and right. I'm hanging out, right? Like we were eight to eight grinding it out for five days, so yeah,
1: wow. yeah that's a I mean that's a long week for a ten year old and that's yeah. a lot of, it's a lot that's of a different you know a lot to yeah, I mean, it's for an adult it's a lot, and to take in and to you know comprehend have you guys done like when you drove home, did you guys decompress it all? did you talk about you know, has she kind of tried to put things into perspective at all?
4: yeah, um. Yeah, it's been nice. It's actually nice for her to talk to, like, Grandma and Grandpa on the phone for me to hear what's coming out of her, right? Yeah. And uh, so she's been kind of debriefing with people about how things were. Um, yeah, I, I just think she has a sense of um, what what we have, and, um, and I, you know, it's that piece of, I don't know, I, I think she appreciates what she does have and that she gets to go to a really good school and have good teachers and have resources and... Um, so I, I think she took that away. But, you know, the one thing that I haven't mentioned is the thing that's really rocked them this year is they've had a incredible amount of teen suicide on the reservation. Oh. Um, oh. And so, um, yeah. Even in so adults, it's I... <clears> high. <throat> sorry. That, Jess? I'm sorry. I didn't know. Go ahead. Oh, I
3: was just saying, even in the adults, it, the suicide rate is very high.
4: Yeah. And so every school we were at had experienced that at least once. Uh, and I, I think it was a bit of exaggeration, but um, a couple teachers said, there's somebody attempting or ideating every day. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the conversation came up about how do you not glorify that but allow kids to grieve. I talked to a state champion wrestler um, on one day, and he said, yeah, it's been a hard year. Our new principal, we had... Uh, so and uh, so commit suicide, and they wouldn't even let us talk about it.
1: Oh. And
4: that was really hard. And you know, I and I'm not blaming. It's just they're really struggling about, like, you know, do we have funerals in our gyms? Mm. That's the only space where everyone can fit together because there is one funeral home on the entire reservation. Where do we have these things if that isn't going to be where that happens? Um, and so it, it was definitely consuming uh, much of the thought. Uh, three older gentlemen passed away while we were there this week. They were having a funeral on Friday. They were grieving for another family. Um, I mean, you know, I, you know, certainly I'm not a psychologist, but the idea that the whole reservation has some level of post-traumatic stress wouldn't surprise me. It's just every day, nonstop, dealing with grief and
2: loss. Yeah. Bob, I have a, a question for you. So, <clears throat> what were some of the things, like especially with all these these social and emotional uh, things going on? What were some of the questions that you got from uh, the Native Americans on the reservation? Because I'm sure you know you had a lot of questions. You were soaking things up. What were what yeah. were some of the things that you were asked about?
4: Yeah. I- we had a, we had a fantastic guide for the week. Um, she was from the tribal education agency. Her name was Dana Brave Eagle, and um, you know, I, I think that uh, why do you care? Why why are you here? Um, you know, and then how is you being here going to be any different than the hundreds of people that come through here all the time as you know voyeurs of what's going on? I, I think there's a lot of apprehension mm-hmm. about just outsiders being there, Um, you know, and so I think the questions were good-natured. I don't think we felt any animosity by any means, but um, there's just a lot of distrust, right, over time that people show up, people say, hey, we're going to fix this, and then they leave, and there's no way things sustain, and so... I, I think people are, you know, why ultimately are you here just to learn about how we do things as opposed to uh, everyone else that just comes to try to fix us?
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also noticed that you posted some pictures and, and actually got me doing some uh, research. So you, you posted a picture uh, that you took of, of Mount Rushmore, and then that made me think of um, the... Um, the other um, is it Sitting Bull. The other Crazy Horse, yeah. Crazy, oh, crazy horse. horse, yeah. So what what were um, your takeaways from that? Because then I then you did go to to that uh, monument as well, which is still being under you know construction. Yeah.
4: yeah um, you know, I it was one of those things where I, that's not wasn't really high on my priority list uh, to go there, but kind of others wanted to go. Um, it kind of felt like we took an afternoon and detached ourselves from the experience. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of pride around what's happening at Crazy Horse. And, uh, you know, there's a gentleman who's been on that project, who's passed away now for, like, 40 years. And now, like, his 11 kids are a part of that. And, um, you know, the folks we talked to definitely felt like it was a great um, symbol uh, and a reminder of uh, who whose land that is, and, but, you know, the 90 minutes to get to Crazy Horse, it was more worth the stories about going there, about this is where this ceremony takes place, this is why the Black Hills are important to our tribe, Um, you know, uh, we spoke about Rapid City, which is kind of the big city there, um, and what they had to offer, and then the best part of that whole evening um, you know, cert- yeah certainly we saw Crazy Horse and not Rushmore, but we actually got a chance to meet with uh, a gentleman who's, you know, in his 70s probably, who's an author uh, of a book that kind of talks about um, all the tribes, and just, he was one of those people that you could like feel the power of his spirit there, uh, and it was kind of the only chance we had to really kind of meet with a, a true kind of elder of the tribe, and so, uh he was actually living in Rapid City, not on the reservation due to some health reasons. But uh, uh, it's one of those things that uh, kind of uh, happened on the fly, and it was one of the better moments of the trip. But you guys know how that happens, that it's usually not what you plan that makes the trip what it is. So.
3: Okay, I have something random to share, but it yeah. does connect for all principals to know. Um, <laughs> I have random. That's how I work. When you said Mount Rushmore... Um, In case you haven't heard, there's a new initiative for, um, it's called Every Kid in a Park, I think. So fourth graders starting next school year can get, um, I don't know if it's the student or the student and their families can get in free to like national parks, historic structures. Um, So just when you said that. I'm going to have a fourth grader next year, so we're planning a Mount Rushmore trip. Um, so I'll yeah. make sure to include a, a, a link to that in the um, blog post that goes with our show notes for this. Yeah, do
4: that. yeah, and it's definitely worth, it's like 20 minutes away to go to Crazy Horse. It's definitely worth um, saying, um, you know, um, this, this, you know, I, I did get this feeling that the, our, our person that was with us who was, you know, in her late 40s had never been to Mount Rushmore.
3: Oh my goodness. And, I, right, I have it but, it but it was
4: but it was a but it was a sense of like why would I go see the white guys that invaded us?
1: Yeah.
4: Why it was that sense of like that's why I haven't been to Mount Rushmore and I was like, Oh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't forget about the fact that there's some right. animosity with those faces up on the side of the hill, right? And so um I, I think I had missed that along the way. So a lot of uh we talked a lot about privilege and a lot about social justice and a lot about all of those issues too. I was with some fantastic principals from Brooklyn and Maryland and Virginia and Philadelphia who were also on the trip. And so um, it was a great, great um, learning cohort. And then, you know, what you always hope for is it's just another group of people to learn with and from uh, as you go forward. So,
2: um, Before we wrap up, I, I just wanted to ask too, like about like the food and and also your yeah. housing.
4: Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I we um stayed at um you know like a motel. It was like the only motel that I saw on the whole reservation. We were near Kyle, uh, South Dakota, actually about six miles outside of town. But um, this place was built because they get a ton of hunters up there,
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, and oh. it really was like uh, it was turkey season. And so we saw dudes in camo that were, you know, up there. And I think that's why this place survives, is that they get a lot of folks up there hunting um, with uh, guides that are from that area. So that is a little bit of employment um, for that area. So that's – it was, you know, it was it was fine. Uh, it was like a 80s motel. It would be like driving through a small town and going, I can stay at the sleep-in or the – Snoozy Inn or the, you know, it was that that type of place. It was fine, though. Um, And then food there, um, it was kind of really sparse, right? We ate at the burrito stand twice for lunch, um, and literally it's like this small business success story that's like a burrito hut uh, in Kyle. And then uh, 45 minutes away, there's a subway. It's the only um, fast food place that's on the reservation and it's in Pine Ridge, which is right across the street from the tribal headquarters. And so, um, that's, that was it. So, and then there was a coffee shop at a place that was like 45 minutes away. We spent a lot of time in the car and we just learned, you know, how much time for kids and adults is lost every day just in transportation. Um, so many folks commuted 90 minutes in from Rapid City, um, because that was the only place there was work, or that was the only place where there was real housing. Um, so, so much of the day was just driving. And then one of the, one of the uh, other real special moments of the trip was we went to uh, the site of uh, the Wounded Knee Massacre.
2: Oh, I was going to uh, ask about that, yeah.
4: Yeah, and so uh, because we were with um, someone from the tribe, we were able to uh, visit the mass grave that's there. So there's about 300, um, folks buried there on the site at a mass grave. And I, I was trying to think if I'd ever been to another, um, mass grave site. Um, you know, certainly hasn't happened in the United States for me. Um, maybe the closest was a Dachau when I was there, but you know, on, you know, in the United States we have mass graves. Um, and that was opening. um. But, um, you know, a huge number of women and children killed that day, um, you know, 1880s. And, um, you know, kind of have a sense of, if you've ever been to, like, Battle Bull Run or whatever, it's, you know, it's an open field and you have to kind of use your imagination. But uh, up on the hill was uh, the cemetery that was there, and um, we took some time to soak that piece into. And so a lot of history, um, you know, a lot of Bad parts of our history in the United States are are, are there at Pine Ridge, and there's just um, you know there's not a highway that goes through there. The two little tiny casinos they have there aren't uh, as popular as they are on other reservations because there's no way to get there, and um, they really did get um, forced into some um, a, a pretty tight little geography, and it makes it uh it makes everything really hard.
3: You know, if anything, it just uh, gives you reason to be grateful for everything that you have <laughs> and where you're at. Yeah, and,
4: and you know, I did leave some hopeful things. I, there were some real champions for change there. Um, we met the executive director of the tribe. He is 30. He's a college graduate Minnesota Duluth uh, and did a year of law school in Michigan State. Before yeah. he kind of got called back to um, lead the tribe, yeah. um, and so he runs fifty-nine programs on the reservation. Yeah, fifty-nine. Um, I haven't even read the list. I took a picture of it, and I, I want to go back and look at it. But um, fifty-nine programs, and then he is accountable to nineteen um, like, tribal elders, who you know ultimately have the voting power, and you know he was talking about they didn't have the money to continue the kind of their meals on wheels program for their elderly. So that was going to get cut in May. They needed like eighty-six thousand dollars to keep that going because of food and refrigeration and transportation cost. They didn't have radios in their ambulances. So like if there was an ambulance call, you had to hope you were in a cell phone spot that worked. And so that was those were like a couple of his top priorities that he was trying to work on. But you know, he said, I've been at it for three or four months. I'm just learning the politics of this and um, you know if he can stick around for three to five years in that position I could see him doing a lot of really good work Uh, but you know we talked to principals and superintendents that got juggled around all over the place we talked to former superintendents of schools that were teaching English because the pay differential wasn't that much and it wasn't worth the hassle Um, and so we saw a lot of like senior leadership folks that were still in the teaching ranks. Um, and we, that was kind of ironic, but a lot of champions there. Um, and you know, we're still trying to figure out ways to connect folks like you, uh, folks that listen to this podcast, um, in meaningful ways. But I think we're all trying to decompress a little bit before we, um, decide that it's, uh, you know, how we're going to, you know, attempt to support what's going on there.
2: That's great. Well, I mean, it sounds like Joe and his uh, folks at at Penn are doing some great things. And and you're right, I I have followed that before where they've gone to Finland and and Alaska. And I think that's a great experience for them to to do that. And now, you know, going to a Native American tribe, I think probably opened up a lot of people's eyes and, you know, hopefully make their experience, uh, you know, writing their dissertation and things like that, you know, more meaningful. As Jess said, you know, it makes you appreciate. You know what what you have
4: yeah definitely and i'm glad i went i'm glad that ellie got a chance to go with me um and um it's been the the last 24 hours have been a little bit hard just kind of reconnecting um i realized i was streaming the masters in my car on the drive home (laughs) and i was like how much privilege have I now given myself after being on the reservation for a week so um, yeah it was um, the, just some things like that it's hard to kind of uh, get back in the swing of things here so wow.
1: just wow
2: <laughs>
1: there's i mean just so much to I can't even imagine what what you guys are trying to decompress from because i mean just You know, just listening to it, it's so much to think about, but actually being there, I can't even imagine what that's like.
4: Yeah. And, you know, there was a moment where Ellie said, Dad, I I wouldn't mind coming back to the Badlands and hiking and backpacking for a week. And uh, just, you know, just that piece of the puzzle was really cool to hear, too. So uh, um, it was nice to have uh, her voice. Uh, You know, it's nice to uh, always be talking about having student voice in space, but to actually pull it off and do it was pretty cool.
2: That's very cool. Very cool. Well, Bob, uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show um, and and talking about your experience. And for those of you who are listening, uh, make sure to connect with Bob. We'll put all the information in the show notes. Um, and also, we want to make sure that uh, your daughter's uh, blog is is uh, highlighted in there as well, so people can see mm-hmm. you know the great things that that she's doing. That sounds and, good. I will ship and... that up to you guys.
3: One last little tidbit. I didn't know this, but Bob has a book that came out last August, Engage, Empower,
2: Energize.
4: Yeah, and and, and another one coming out in May. I've been a writing beast.
2: Jeez. Wow, what do you have coming out in May?
4: um, Leading Connected Classrooms. uh, It's it's really about how uh, connection and connected learning is about people, place, and planet beyond the tech. Um, how it really is about connecting people together, connecting people to where they are, and connecting people to people around the globe. And I uh, highlight 17 stories of Missouri educators that have done that really successfully, and then I build a lot of conversation around choice and voice and authentic audience around that. So uh, it's a lot. Uh, I think it's just different enough from uh, some of the other stuff we've seen coming out um, that it. I think it's... Um, kind of the next level of connected learning so that's my hope is that people see it the same way.
3: So this may be more of a personal question that others listening to the podcast don't care how how do you find time and make time for your writing to be getting a second book out in may when your last one came out in august and you
4: guys know how that works it's not that clean where right like just takes forever for that to happen so you guys know that but um (laughs) yeah so actually when i took this new position and was not in the principalship anymore it did afford me some more time to write Mm -hmm. and um And uh, I had had some things in my head that were partially there. And so uh, the first book is actually um, um, a bit of a narrative about moving from managing a school to leading a school. And so that was a really important thing. It really just kind of grabbed a hold of my work as a principal. So it was, you know, you could call it my story, but it became fiction from there. Uh, and then the second one really encapsulated my desire to really dig into this connected learning idea. And so, um, I don't know, you just, you find time, right? I don't know. Time exists. You just make it. And so, um, I've, um, I'm a journalism major to start with, so that certainly helps too. So, um, I... Um, I, I don't know and but I have been pretty tapped out lately I have no more words to write uh, I'm supposed to be <laughs> writing I'm supposed to be I'm working on a book very very slowly about um, parent uh, folks that are parents and educators and our unique view about what education should be oh. and so um, it's in the very 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 alpha beta maybe stage and so um, I have a co-author for that and I, I couldn't imagine that, that co-author stuff so for the birds man I don't know
3: <laughs> oh, tell me yeah, about it. co-authors that. can be a pain to deal with
4: they're crazy hey, hey by the way the marathon joggling record for three objects backwards is five hours and fifty one minutes
1: who oh boy oh, well, Joe Salter yeah
4: Joe Salter you have to do backwards three objects you have to run the whole thing backwards so that shouldn't be a problem
1: No, no, I can't run the whole yeah, thing no. forward so <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: I should I think the category you were talking about, Teresa, was marathon bounce juggling. Uh, yeah, three I, basketballs. I yeah, Ooh. five hours, 21 minutes for That's... marathon bounce juggling. And, That's and totally who, different.
1: Who holds that one?
4: Uh, Riley. McGlitchen, and I don't know. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got this.
1: That's right. I'm
3: right. growing up in Bemidji, Minnesota. There was a man who always practiced, and I don't know. Maybe he is in the world records or whatever. But he would bike backwards while, like, I don't know if he was juggling or bouncing three Why? balls, juggling oh like, like.
2: All Wrong. I remember growing bike up is backwards. always seeing that man do that. Yeah. I did not
3: know great. your
1: butt could go backwards, like with you have Hey, guys, to, you have to hey
4: guys, thanks for doing this this morning. I um
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> like no, press and you guys are My
1: not. daughter
4: is my daughter is running, my youngest daughter is doing uh, they have read, write and run the day before the marathon. So if you oh, do right. if you run twenty six miles, do twenty six good deeds and read twenty six books over ah. the course of like a semester, you do like a one mile run. Uh, to celebrate that at the end. So they, it's going yeah. on, um, and uh, she runs in about 35 minutes, so I've got to hustle out. Well,
2: have thank fun. Thank you so much, Bob, for coming
4: right. on. Yeah, always, guys. Always good, and uh, thank you guys, and uh, I'll keep you guys, uh, and just I, I, I encourage you to stay aware of the things that are happening up at Pine Ridge and, um, and just continue to tell the story and share as you can. Uh, that's the best thing we can do right now.
1: Most definitely. All right. Thank you. Principal Thanks, PLN guys. out. See you soon. Thanks for sharing in the learning with us today. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and continue the conversation by joining the Boxer Group. Links can be found at principalpln.com.
0: There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals.